Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Can a cold-blooded killer also be a hero? And then we take a look at a story about a man who was lonely. Recently divorced, didn't know where his life was going. So he begins playing a game he played in college. A way to contact the spirits using a Scrabble board. He wanted answers. Instead, he got possessed. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. The snow has fully moved into Hood River. It actually isn't snowing right now, but the streets still have my white enemy, my powdery nemesis, my flaky anti-friend. It's everywhere, but it'll be gone soon, hopefully. Every so often you might hear the sound of a snowplow driving by, so if you hear a that's either a snowplow doing its job or me doing a sound effect involving a snowplow. Let's go ahead and we're going to move on to merry old England. Little country out east of the United States, but somehow it's still considered part of the West. America's the center of the planet. But anyways, it's east of us. And it's just this little island, supposedly used to have a bunch of colonies or something like that. No proof, no evidence. Ancient civilization, Lemuria stuff. It's really just an island off the coast of Europe. Don't believe the hype. The year is 2003. There's a young girl named Amanda Champion walking through the forest. And she never comes home. Eventually, her body is found in the woods. Her throat was slit. She was murdered in the middle of nowhere. 21 years old. A couple months later, I guess in in Europe, Scotland, this area, they have a thing called the Samaritans. I think it's mostly based in Scotland, but I think you can. I don't think if you called from the, I don't think if you called from England, they're like, no, mate, just kill yourself. Click, hang up. Samaritans is like an anti-suicide hotline, and they're also sworn to confidentiality. That way, people can call up and say. I've done some horrible stuff and I'm thinking about killing myself and you'd feel comfortable talking to these people. So they're sworn to confidentiality. If the police want the information, they can subpoena the organization. But as a Samaritan yourself, you promise to never reveal any information about the callers. There's a guy who's been calling in to the Samaritans. And apparently he called multiple times. But on one of the phone calls, click, Hello, this is the Samaritans. What's going on? And this guy goes, I've killed a girl. I killed a girl. Left her body in the woods. Kind of tells this story. So this Samaritan working that night, or day, I don't know, it's not stated in the article, could have been the middle of the afternoon. The Samaritan working that shift thought, hmm, okay, now I did sign a piece of paper saying I would never reveal what I heard, but this guy is submitting to murdering a young woman and how would i feel if he did it again he got fired for that he actually got fired from the samaritans for revealing this information to the police 
And that's a touchy thing, because on one hand, you want people to be able to trust the Samaritans. But, I mean, there's a line, obviously. If a guy's like, I've killed, and I'm going to kill again. And you're like, hmm, I'd rather keep my job than report this dude. This guy went to the cops and said, listen, I know I'm not supposed to reveal this information. It's fine. I'll go get a job at Denny's for a while. Denny's in Scotland is actually a premier banking firm and not delicious restaurant. The cops go, okay, they end up, long story short, arresting this guy. His name was James Ford. So she was, Amanda Champion was 21 years old. James Ford's 26. So pretty close. They begin, they, they arrest him, do the whole trial. He's found guilty, sentenced to 15 years to life in prison for this crime. And and the police have been like, listen, why'd you do it? And he's like, I don't know. Which is really the worst answer you can give. It's the most troubling answer. I don't know. Just kind of shrugging his shoulders. And so the police and the judge and everything was like, this is such a heinous crime, and you don't know why you did it. That's more troubling than being like, well, this X, Y, and Z happened. Now, they did so, but apparently this guy had some fascination with people getting their throats slit. He he never said why he did it. He just did it. He just kind of something that happened. So he is found guilty. He goes to prison. 15 years to life. That all happened, like I said, about 2004. 2003, 2004. So we're around 15 years at this point. So now we're in the year 2019. It's November 2019. Earlier last week. That doesn't make sense. Late last week. Usman Khan. Usman Khan. Is a convicted member of a terrorist group. He was convicted in 2012 for plotting to blow up the London Stock Exchange, the House of Parliament, U.S. Embassy. Convicted of these things. He's let out after eight years. So 2012, he gets convicted of all this stuff. He just gets released earlier this year. And he goes, hmm, well, I did try blowing up those buildings and that didn't work. Got caught. So I could either change my worldview and accept other people as being equal to me, or tape knives to my hands, which he had a knife taped to each hand, which the first knife that you grab, and you tape it to your hand, that's going to be pretty easy. (laughs) How do you tape the second knife to your hand? And he's wearing a suicide vest. This was all over the news. You guys probably heard the story from this point on. This guy goes running into a fishmonger's hall in London. (laughs) Starts trying to stab people, cut people, and trying to, he actually does. He actually kills two people and slashes up a bunch of other people. In that building, in the fishmonger's hall at that moment, is a prison release program. So they get the day off to go walk around the fishmonger's hall and be like, look it, fish! (laughs) Remember the last time you guys ate fish? Oh wait, no you don't. You're in prison for murder. Everyone's like, aww. They're like, look, this is a net. Just like the net the cops used to catch you. They're all, aww. So these prisoners are on day release. James Ford is there as well. And a guy comes running in with knives taped to his hands, starts slashing people. James murderer we don't i don't know whether or not he's repented to this because this is all fairly new news new news but he um does he definitely just murdered a girl in cold blood slit her throat in the middle of the forest and left there left her there to die he is one of the first responders to this helping fight the guy off push him out of the because what the prisoners did was they pushed him this is kind of funny they pushed him out of the fishmongers building and because he was trying to get upstairs And then they just kind of let him be outside for a second. But we'll get to that in a second. So anyways, they're fighting him. And I keep trying to say they were beating him off. But I'm trying to avoid saying that. That's why they keep these little pauses there. They're fighting him off. They push him out of the fishmonger's hall. 
They barricade him out so they can treat the people who have been attacked in there. And James Ford gets down and starts trying to save a young woman's life. Now, outside the Fishmongers Hall, Usman Khan is like, well, that didn't go too well. But look at all of these other citizens of London. I will attack them as well. So now he's running down the street. He's running down the bridge, actually. And I thought this was probably my favorite part of this story. Because now we're going to leave James Ford in the Fishmongers Hall. We're going to talk about this total piece of scum getting taken down, getting just wasted. This guy named Thomas Gray is driving down the road. And he sees people running away from something. And then he sees a couple people running towards a man who just seems to be like flailing wildly. He's driving down the road with his buddy. And he, him and his buddy jump out of the car and they begin to rush this terrorist. Take this terrorist out. And he had this awesome quote. I was brought up on rugby. And the rule is, one in, all in. I did what any Londoner would do and tried to put a stop to it. And that's what people just moshed this guy. Can't cut us all. Now... Footage came out, some dude hopped out from a local business, came out with a fire extinguisher, started blasting the dude in the face. Another guy ended up leaving the fishmonger's hall. So they've secured the fishmonger hall, they're treating the people who've been attacked in there. He comes running out of the fishmonger hall, wielding a five-foot-long narwhal horn. So those magical, mythical, well, they're not mythical, they're real, but those magical sea creatures that have the giant horn. They look like whales with giant horns sticking out of their head. This dude begins chasing this terrorist down the street. That's not a knife. This is a knife. Perfect type moment. Begins like poking him. They're trying to contain this guy. They're spraying him in the face. People start jumping on top of him. They begin stepping on his hands to get the knives out. And that's when they realize the knives were taped. And at that point, they don't know, at least as far when I was reading about this, there was some police driving down the street. And the question was, Were they police responding to the scene who had been called in or were they just on their random patrol just coming down the street because people started waving them down, waving them down. The cops pull out, jump out with their guns. The terrorist at this point pulls his vest open, which again, I think would be difficult with two knives taped to you, revealing a suicide vest, a bomb. And the cops say he has a bomb. People start scattering. There's a thing between, there's a difference between being a hero and being an idiot. So yeah, you can step on this guy's hands and poke him with a narwhal. But when he reveals a suicide vest, the best thing to do is to run away. And as the people are running away, the cops shoot him. Dead, he dies. Huge news story, obviously. And right now, London's kind of afraid that there's going to be some copycat attacks because this guy was a martyr and all sorts of nonsense. He did end up killing two people. And he injured, I think, seven to nine people on top of that as well. And... The whole story, I think, is interesting. I I love stories of citizens banding together to defeat evil. I love stories of citizens banding together to help people, like, get cancer treatment or cats out of trees. I love stories of communities coming together. But there's an odd footnote to this one because, obviously, people were doing profiles on this. And they're like, look at this man. He murdered a girl 15 years ago. And... Now he saved, or tried saving a girl's life. The girl actually died. But there's one group of people that aren't too impressed by his heroic actions. His, the family members of Amanda Champion. And they are coming out in the media and they're like, he is not a hero. And you have this family who still has this really raw wound of losing their daughter to a senseless murder. And a man who still has never really revealed why he murdered this girl. So maybe it could have been some sort of fetish thing. Might have wanted to see what it was like to take a human life. That type of nonsense. We don't know. So is he a hero? Is he a convict who happened to be in the right place at the right time? Has he reformed and decided, 
I took a life once and now I now that I'm given the opportunity I want to save a life? Or did he enjoy watching another woman die? Who knows? It's probably not the last one. That's a little dark. That's a little dark. But it's a debate going on right now. Who is a hero? Can you... I believe you can have a redemption arc, obviously. But for someone to senselessly murder someone with no rhyme or reason, 15 years later, can they be hailed a hero? Interesting question. Interesting question. Let's go ahead, though. We're going to leave behind those interesting questions, and we're going to move on to the Scrabble story. We're headed to France. Now, in France, there's a guy named Michael Chiron, which is interesting because this story is pretty much a first-person story, and it's nice to have a real name. It's nice to have a real name. This guy's written a book about this, so there's no anonymity. This guy put it all on the line to tell the story. So that's always a nice change of pace. And he wrote a book. He wrote a book in French. I'm sure it's been translated to a real language by now. But it was called I Was Possessed. I Was Possessed. And this is Michael Chiron's story. In the 80s, he was a teacher for a group of mentally disabled kids. So he comes to work each day and does the Lord's work. Because you have these kids that are having a hard time just interacting in society. He shows up, very patient, takes the time to teach these kids how to learn. At this point... He is no longer a Catholic. So in the 80s, he goes, you know what? That Catholicism, eating the bread, drinking the wine, praying all the time. Lame. I am a child. And he actually talked about this. He said like in the 60s, it was like the revolution, like the cultural revolution. Made him realize how square religion was, how lame it was. I'm an atheist. I'm an atheist now. I don't believe in the sky fairy God, all that nonsense. And he is more into spiritual, not really even into spiritualism. He's just open to fun ideas. And his friends go, hey, man, hey, you want to do something groovy? And he's like, dude, it's 1980s. Why are you talking about that? Because we're stuck in the past, man. Let's do something awesome. We have a Scrabble. We're going to lay out the Scrabble stuff. And he's like, Scrabble, awesome, my favorite game. Here's a word, Toblerone. And they're like, no, we're not playing Scrabble. And I don't think Toblerone counts. But... We're going to put out these Scrabble pieces, and we have a pendulum, and we're going to hang it over. We're going to ask questions like, what should I put on my spaghetti saucer? Or actual real questions like, uh, should I continue dating my husband? Or should I go out and date you? And he's like, oh, he's blowing on the pendulum. He's making it go, yes, yes, date me. But anyway, so the friends get together, and they're just asking stupid questions. There is such a... It's funny because... Fortune telling is so stupid, but so many people fall for it. I think people want answers. I think it plays into a deep-seated need of wanting to know answers and the truth and all that sort of stuff. So anyways, it's just funny that I get it. Like, kids play with cootie catchers, you know, like, pick three. Okay, pick one, four, eight, or nine. Nine. And those little pieces of paper, and then you open it up and it says, you stink. You're like, that's not the future, that's right now. I totally know I stink. I can get kids doing that, but when you have adults, when you have college-educated people with a bunch of Scrabble pieces and a pendulum, it's quite ridiculous. But anyway, so he's doing this. Michael is doing this. And he said, yeah, you know, it was fun. Didn't really get much from it. So now we're in 1993. He's divorced at this point. He doesn't have anyone. He's lonely, which is probably the worst mental state a human can be in. And so, yeah, it's like crippling almost. And it's I, I'm actually fine, personally fine with it. But I know for a lot of people, it's really hard for them to not have somebody. For me, it's the opposite. I'd rather not have somebody. 
so I can do whatever I want. That's the way you got to look at it. But anyways, he was the other 99% of humanity who needs like that soulmate, and he doesn't know what to do. So he goes, and that's clue number one. Let's see if I remember these clues. He goes, you know what? I'm going to try that Scrabble thing again. I remember it was kind of fun, and I don't got anything else to do, so I'll just grab some red wine. And in France, it comes out of the water tap. You just turn on the turn on the faucet, red wine comes out. And I'm going to get out my Scrabble pieces. I wonder if he had a game of Scrabble. I wonder if, <laughs> if he had to go to Target and buy a Scrabble board and then find a Pendulum shop. He's like, ah! He's driving all the way across the countryside to Pendulum's RS. Anyways, he does lay out all the Scrabble tiles. He puts out the Pendulum. He's making it go, and he did it, and he said it felt different this time. Like, I wasn't getting answers to the questions I was asking, but it felt, I had a different energy this time than when I was doing it, you know, a decade earlier with my friends. This felt weird. But he did it over and over and over again. He says he did it 10 days straight. He would get off work, he'd come home, he'd lay out his Scrabble pieces, and he would just hold the pendulum over, and it would go, Will I find true love? And the pendulum would go, potato. And he's like, what? That doesn't even make sense. But just he felt differently doing this. Then one day he comes home. He's eating a potato. He's eating fries. He's eating all, every potato product he can find. He's, you know, because maybe it's a clue. He's holding the pendulum up. He's all greasy now from French fry grease, which over there they're just called fries. And the pendulum's like, and then it just kind of, kind of swindles to a stop, and he hears something in his head. He hears a voice. Now we won't need the pendulum anymore. We will talk to you directly from inside you. These voices begin a dialogue with him, and he says he could hear the voice in his head, distinct from his own, not like the internal monologue that people have, which apparently some people, not everyone has. An internal monologue. We're going to talk about that in a later episode. But that voice that you have in your head being like, should I have carrots? No, no, carrots are disgusting. Maybe I should go get a Hershey bar. No, you don't want to get a Hershey bar either. You know, like that monologue. Not everyone has that. But that's also distinct from what this guy was hearing. Martin said he was hearing the voices in his head, in his chest, and in his throat. And they're talking to him now as a separate being. Now, he is not a Catholic He doesn't believe in God, but at the same time, he knows all of those stories. So when the voices at one point say, it is the devil speaking, and begins talking about a kingdom and an emperor, he obviously doesn't forget the lessons of Catholicism and God versus Satan and the demons and princes and principalities and all that stuff, but he doesn't believe in those things. And that's clue number two. What was clue number one? I don't know. Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember. Being lonely. Clue number two was he doesn't believe in any of these things. So when they're using terminology that he remembers from Bible school, he totally brushes it off. But he ends up getting panicked because he's hearing these voices, and he hears it as the devil speaking, but he's like, devil's not real. Like this, must, I just must be having some sort of mental breakdown. Throws the pendulum away, plays a couple games of Scrabble, and then goes to bed. He doesn't really play games of Scrabble. But I think it's funny, he threw the pendulum away. Why didn't he throw the Scrabble board away? He wakes up the next morning, hears a voice again. Yesterday we scared you, but now we will tell you the truth. And this is where they tell him that they were sent by their king. That they are part of what's known as the first kingdom. 
And he asks, this dialogue goes on for quite a while, goes on for months. But he goes, what are you guys made of? Because he can obviously feel them inside of his body. So he's not seeing them as some sort of outside creature. He asks, what are you guys made of? Like, how are you guys inside of me? And they say this, this is their quote. You don't know that, but we are made of ions of particles. And that's an interesting statement. Because obviously at this point, there's two parts of this audience who's listening to the story. One, people who believe in demons or believe in possession, and people who don't, and just like hearing stories like this. The The podcast has a pretty diverse audience as far as that goes. Now, I believe in this type of stuff. So when I read that, I thought there was an... Someone who doesn't believe in that goes, oh, he's making it up, or he's having some sort of mental breakdown, and you can't make up something that you don't understand. And I am in the other camp where I believe this stuff is real, but I think the ending part is the same. A demon who has possessed you, and you ask a question that's beyond human comprehension, the demon would respond, you don't know that. And I think that's more of a metaphysical level. Like, you you don't know that. You, you have no comprehension for what I'm about to describe to you, so I'm going to break it down in Earth language, and that's, I'm made of ions and particles. Whereas if it possessed some hyper-intelligent alien, it'd be like, oh, yeah, dude, remember that thing you guys discovered a couple years ago in that laboratory? I'm made of that. I'm made of pure alethiacium. So I thought that was an interesting answer. It wasn't like, oh, we are made up of spirits of the dead. Oh, we are made up of the universe. It's, you don't know that. You don't know that. But to put it simple, we're made of ions and particles. These voices kept telling him they're training him. He's going to be trained. He's going to have unlocked his potentialities, is the term they kept using. Potentialities. He was chosen. And when he was ready, he would help bring more people to their king. Now, obviously, again, anyone with any sort of background, even a passing background in the Bible or Bible stories goes... Pretty sure Satan was the king of hell and he has these demons and he wants more souls or more people to join him. Like, even if you've only have like a Saturday morning cartoon level understanding of the fight between God and Satan, that shouldn't be a surprise to you. But this guy, Michael, is so invested in being an atheist and actively believing that these guys don't exist that when anything pops up that is a red flag, i.e. being called the devil, that's probably the biggest red flag. But talking about kings and talking about you're going to help bring people to our leader. He's so avowed. He's so far from believing that God exists that none of this stuff is setting off red flags. And the voices are actively telling him God doesn't exist. We are something else, but God doesn't exist. Jesus was a real guy, but he was just a dude. He wasn't the son of God or anything like that. It's feeding into his beliefs that he already has about all these things. To unlock his potentialities, first off, they start showing him card tricks. He'd get a deck of cards, and he'd hold a card up, and the voice in the head would go, Ace of Spades. He'd go, Ace of Spades, and he throws it down. The voices are like, please don't do that. Quit telling that joke. Pulls another card up, and the voices are like, we saw you pick up the Ace of Spades again. He's all, Ace of Spades! And at this point, the demons are like, is there anyone else we can possess? He's holding up the cards, and the, the voices would say, King of Hearts, get a new card. So anyways, that's how it starts off. He says that the voices were allowing me, like I would hold up a card, the voice would predict the card. You're like, Jason, we got it. Just, we got it. Move on to the next thing. Okay. He said that they started making his palette bleed and not his wooden palettes he has in the back. 
his mouth, like at the top of his mouth, he would just start bleeding. He said, I could only eat soft foods for a week. Everything else is just super painful. They also, and this is where we get into the impossible. So all of this stuff has been a slow, hearing voices, people do that unfortunately all the time. That's other than their internal monologue. Guessing cards, I can do that. Anyone can do that. I mean, not with 100% accuracy, but people can get up to 50%. And then, um, what was the other stuff? Oh yeah, back pain, bleeding mouth palate. Definitely stuff you want to go to the doctor for. But not supernatural. Now we're going to get into this stuff. He said that the demons had him drink 15 gallons of water. Sorry, that's not true. 15 liters of water a day. I'm pretty sure there's a big difference between those two. But that's still a lot. That's still an inhuman amount of water to be able to drink. Now, he said that I've been told by doctors after all this happened that that should have killed me. But he said the demons needed it. Here's a quote from him. I found this very fascinating. Here's a quote. Water gave them strength. A kind of electric strength. I gave them power by drinking. Hydrogen gave them power. I believe there is something scientific behind this. So obviously we don't know if if any of this is true. I'm assuming that this story is true. At least this guy's, I believe this guy's telling the truth. And we can quibble about whether or not it was 15 liters or 5 liters and he miscounted or whether or not he was having schizophrenic episode or... He was possessed by demons. I'm saying that I think the series of events happened. There, I, I believe they happened the way he's telling them. But you can also say, no, nah, no, nah, that doesn't make sense. I think it's more likely this. But I'm, what I'm, what I mean by that is that sometimes these narratives are completely made up. It's pure fiction. I believe that these events happened in some form. I think we can compromise on that one. But anyways, when I read that, I what I was researching this story around the same time I was doing the story on Haditha Dam episode I covered last week, which is an interesting parallel, because that is a hydroelectric dam built on top of what is supposedly the four horsemen of the apocalypse. And I thought, hmm, that's interesting note. That's interesting fact. I don't think it's fact, because it's probably made up, but I said several times in that episode, why would you build a dam on top of a bunch of demons? Like, why would the demons let you build a dam on top of them, I think is what I said. And the idea was Haditha Dam is some sort of prison for these spirits. It could be because they're just getting pure hydroelectric energy pushed on them every single day. It's only making them more and more powerful. Their prison, quote-unquote, is literally underneath what powers demonic forces. So I kept that little detail hidden from that episode because I wanted to reveal it on this one. But I think that's an interesting clue. He also started to have the ability to change his appearance. And you're like, Jason, I can do that. It's called changing my clothes. It's called shaving. No, the demons were, would say, you want your potentialities unlocked, right? And you'd be like, yeah, yeah, I guess. I mean, why use such a weird word? And they're like, touch your chin, touch your chin. And he put his fingers on his chin and his bone was like bubble gum. It just went, and his fingers like sank into the flesh of his skin. He said he could push on his face and it was like moving dough around. And he looked in the mirror and he had a different face. Like he could go and move and his forehead would be slightly over and make his eyes bigger. It's obviously freaking him out. He's panicked at this point. And then the next day his face would return to normal. Which is convenient if you're a skeptic. Because otherwise you could be like, hey, why are you in Michael's seat? And he's like, oh, no, no, I'm really Michael. I just have been possessed by... 
a bunch of dudes and the boss is like don't even finish you're fired but i mean it's convenient for a skeptic because they're like well why didn't he take photos of himself with all these different faces he looks like scarlett johansson he looks like the cast of avengers but it's just him all these different faces Anyways, he's at this point, he's at the verge of suicide. He's tired of moving his face around. He had enough fun doing that. He's like, mm, I'm going to turn myself into a sexy woman. And he's like, ooh, Michael, you're so cute. And the voices are like, ah, quit hitting on yourself. But eventually he gets tired of all these games. I wouldn't. I would be like, oh, I'm sending Tinder profiles to, of myself to me. Hi, Jason. Oh, Jasina, you swiped right. That's so cute. Anyways, anyways. He, this go back to the depressing thing, I was I always have to do a joke before this stuff. He wants to kill himself. He wants to commit suicide. He can't get these things out of his head. And he goes, he what happened was he would say, I'm going to kill myself. And then he would start the process of killing himself. And the voices would stop talking. They'd go away. He'd be like, oh, well, maybe, uh, maybe they're not going to kill myself. Maybe I'm not going to do that. And then eventually the voices would come back. So they were tormenting him. They did not want him to kill himself. And at one point, he's going to the railroad tracks, and the voices disappear, and he has, like, this moment of clarity, and he goes, and he goes, I don't know why I thought of this, because I don't believe in this stuff at all. I didn't know what was what was going on, but I don't believe in angels or demons or God. I don't believe it. I think they're childhood fairy tales that are told to gullible people to get money. I don't believe it. But I also can't stand this, this mania going on. I'm going to kill myself. And as he's walking out of the train tracks, he has this moment of clarity. And a voice, he hears a voice. Not like hears a voice, but he gets a thought. I'm not going to say it was God or anything like that. He gets a thought. Go see an exorcist. It's like, what? Exorcist, like, that's a Catholic thing. Those are like demons. I don't have demons. Why would I need to see an exorcist? But he thought about it. He's like, well, what do I have to lose? I'm about, I'm about to get hit by a train. Like, what do I have to lose? The voices come back and they're like, hey, man. Hey, dude, it's, you know, I know, like, me and you have been together. At this point, it's been nine months. We've been together for nine months. Remember, we had our half anniversary a couple months ago. It's you and me. It's you and me. You don't need to see an exorcist. You don't want to see an exorcist. He's like, Why? I mean, like, what's it going to hurt? Like, I, again, I've been attempting suicide for a couple of weeks now. And he's like, they're like, listen, man, here's the detail. If you go to the exorcist, we're going to have to leave because, see, God exists and um, all that stuff was true, and we're demons, and we're inside of you, so this thing isn't going to last if you go to an exorcist. Yeah, sorry about telling you uh, you were right about God not existing. Hope we can still be friends. Of course we're going to be friends. We've possessed you. At this point, he gets super infuriated. And I believe there's some information left out of this narrative. But he says, I was infuriated. He goes, I had walked so far down the path of sin. I didn't believe God existed when I got possessed. These spiritual, outside, alien-like beings were convincing me that I was right, that God didn't exist. And now I'm being told God does exist, and I had already walked too far down the road of sin. I feel like I could not be forgiven. And I think, that he did some really, really I, I think he did worse stuff. I think he did worse stuff than touching his face and flipping cards around him. He probably got involved in some really, really dark, creepy stuff in this nine months. Cause they're like, Hey man, you only live once humanity, you know, the, the heat death of the universe, everything's going to disappear. Human just experience whatever you want now. Cause there's not going to be anything left when you die. He probably did some really, really dark things in that time period. Now he's being told that God exists, that Jesus exists, that what he has in him is demons. 
and all of the great potentialities and him being the chosen one and leading people to the king, which he now realizes actually is Satan, will go away if he goes to an exorcist. But he does say, yes, I've done all this horrible stuff and I have been possessed, but I this cannot continue. He goes to an exorcist. The exorcist begins his exorcism, his magical little thing. I don't really know what it would fall into if you would describe it as magical or, or what, but he had multiple demons in him and he had the biggest, strongest demons pulled out, but the little demons were left behind. And it's funny because when you watch, when you, I don't really know, I have a base knowledge of exorcisms. You always imagine that an exorcism like does the job. When you hire someone to kill gophers in your yard, he doesn't go, well, you know, I killed the biggest ones, but the little ones are still there. No, you, you'd be like, go kill the little ones. Don't just kill big ones. Kill them all. So, I, but we covered in Michael Taylor, that was the other thing. The exorcist did this big exorcism and left three demons in the guy. It was like the demons of murder, anger, and like intolerance or something like that. I guess that would be minor compared to murder and anger. And then Michael Taylor uh, killed his wife and ripped his poodle in half that night. Or that morning, actually. They didn't even wait until the spooky, spooky nighttime. So we've had exorcisms before where they pull only part of them out. Michael Taylor, they just ran out of time. They're like, oh, just he has to go home and rest for 12 hours, then we'll get the murder demon out of him. This one, they're like, well, we pulled the big ones out, but the little ones are still attached in him. And Michael, at one point, you're like, oh, so is this dude still possessed? He's writing the book, and every so often there's another voice being like, don't listen to this rube. God doesn't exist. And then it's like, editor's note, the demon took over. No, he said that the little demons were still inside of him, and then one day he was in the bathroom, he looks in the mirror, and he sees the image of Mother Mary appear in the mirror. And he's like, oh, that's kind of weird. Did not expect to see that in the morning. And then Mother Mary fades away. And then he sees the reflection of his own mother who's passed away up here in the mirror. And then after that, all the demons have disappeared. And that's where we're at right now. So it's an inter- we laid out a couple clues here. And it's an interesting story. One, we had a guy who was lonely. He was looking for something in his life. And I don't remember the other two clues. The point, <laughs> the point is, don't you love impromptu podcasting? The point is this. I think the other... I don't remember. The point is this. That he really left himself open to be possessed. I think this story is quite frightening because he's just goofing off with a Scrabble board and a pendulum and he invites these demons into his body. And, I mean, you can do that on accident. You can be carrying your pendulum collection over your kids. Kids are playing Scrabble on the ground. You're like, I got this pendulum in 1999 from Arizona. And it's like accidentally spinning around on top of the Scrabble board. But at the same time, people can have like oh let's do Ouija board or cootie catchers or charlie charlie or whatever and not be possessed at all this guy had multiple things one he didn't believe in god he thought it was all fictional he was lonely he was looking for something he had a void in his life he turned to answers that were not of this earth and you're like jason isn't that prayer and i will say shut up dude so anyways yes yes same thing but you're 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 communicating with a different entity this guy he didn't believe he didn't believe that god existed he um, was lonely, had a hole in his life. He was looking to fill. He filled it with something. And then once these red flags started popping up, i.e. being possessed, hearing voices, all this stuff, he didn't believe it. And it wasn't until the very end where he got that little nugget in his head going, you know, go see an exorcist. You're going to kill yourself anyways. So what are you going to, what's it going to hurt? That he got all these demons gotten out of his body. And he goes on to write this book. Spooky, if true. Spooky, if true. Because those are really common things to happen. People can get lonely. I think everyone gets lonely to a certain degree, but you can get like that heart-wrenching loneliness. And when you're when you're at that level of loneliness, any 
thing will do. Any human contact will do. And maybe it doesn't even have to be human. And then if you couple that with having a weak spiritual base and an interest in the paranormal, you might be looking at some trouble yourself. So, dear listeners, my advice to you is stay away from contacting the other side. It's cliche, but it's true. When you send a call out into the darkness, you have no idea who's going to respond. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be your email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. Twitter is at deadrabbitradio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.